0: All right, well, turn with me this morning, please, to uh, Luke's gospel. And Nathan has already had us read much of this passage today as part of our worship time. But this, this passage this morning of Luke's gospel is a very familiar passage that I think is the best passage for us to explore as far as, as we look at this third week of Advent, this idea of the gospel of joy the gospel of joy actually Luke's gospel has been called the gospel of joy it is that pass it, it, it is that telling of Christ's life that explores the desire and the joy of Christ as he comes in flesh so if you're able to stand let's stand in reverence for the reading of God's word Beginning in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, we'll read through verse 20 together. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God, for they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Amen. Let's pray. Dear God, you you have allowed this true story to be shared with us in your word, not as a historical account, but as a witness to the joy of the birth of your Son that comes. Dear God, you have redeemed us from our sin through this child who became a man, who died and rose again. And this is the season of the year, Father, as your church, we we meditate on this truth that you, dear God, step into humanity and your Son Jesus Christ takes on our flesh so that he could die for us. Lord, That sounds traumatic, and and it is, but there is joy in that. And I pray, God, this morning, you would speak to us in your word and you would show us this joy that is reflected in this passage and in others. What does it mean to have joy, especially this time of year? Speak to our hearts, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please have a seat. We're reminded this Sunday, this third Sunday of Advent, um, that joy in Christ's redemption of our sin is at the heart of this worship. We're celebrating the joy of the birth of a child, yet we have to remember what is it that the child was born for? Christ was born for us, for our sin to give God glory as He forgives us and redeems us. This is ultimately for God's glory. And today's passage in Luke chapter 2 shows us the encounter between this heavenly host of angels and these poor shepherds. I mean, just minding their own business. And this, this interaction here between the heavenly host and these lowly shepherds will show us the contrast between two states of the human condition. And I want us to look at two. Number one is first the state of fear. We see fear in this passage, don't we? Anybody here deal with fear? Yeah, show me a snake and I'm I'm a girly man when the snakes come around. Fear. The first is the state of fear and, and, and it's part of the human condition. And humanity stands in fear before a, the holiness of God. We do. If you really take seriously God's state, His characteristic of perfection and holiness, if humanity were to even ponder just a hint of what that is, we will stand in fear before Him. Despite our secular mindset, even if, if, uh, if someone does not honor God, even if they are totally secular in their thinking, they fear God's holiness... Since God's holiness must have justice one way or the other. And that's the point here. We're not holy. We are not holy. And we do not fully understand exactly God's holiness, but we do understand instinctly that we cannot measure up to His holiness. I mean, if you really push a non-believer on this to where they must think about it, they will have to agree. Part of the reason they reject the gospel is they know somehow inside they're not worthy of God's holiness. The second state that we see here in this text is the state of joy. So in human condition, we have fear. We also have times of joy, don't we? The shepherds do not experience joy here until they actually witness the Christ child in person. They initially react to this presence of the heavenly host in fear. But then when they actually come and see the Christ child, as the angel directs them to go, that's when we see joy. They had heard of the prophecies of the Messiah that had been handed down for generations and perhaps these shepherds, we could, we could, we could probably infer here that many of that time had a childhood dream of one day seeing the Messiah because of all the stories they had heard from the prophets of old. Oh, will we see the Messiah? Maybe they had this in them from childhood but they didn't truly know what this would look like. Maybe for them, it was at best a fantasy or a dream that they knew would never come to be. But here they are in front of the Christ child. He's here. And how they respond to that is joy. And and not only that, they carry that joy and they become the first witnesses of the gospel. You see that? We're going to see what this looks like today. Let's look here at chapter 2, verses 9 through 14. Here's what the, the Luke tells us, beginning in verse 9. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with what? Fear. I don't know about you, but has anybody ever seen an angel in person? Knowing that you were looking at an angel, because the apostle Peter tells us later that we could as Christians entertain angels unaware that is possible. but these shepherds there was no there was no blindness here they saw the heavenly host, an angel of the Lord appears to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear so God's glory is present in this moment. See what I'm saying? Part of the human condition of fear is that we know instinctly that we cannot measure up to God's holiness. We are sinners in need of salvation. We are separated from God's glory due to the original sin of our father, Adam. and We carry that with us. It's part of who we are. Even those who do not believe in Christ, do not even believe that there is a God, cannot avoid this reality when faced with the truth. When God's glory is here, there is fear that follows. You see that? But notice here in this encounter with the angel, verse 10, And the angel said to them, in reaction to their fear, Fear not. That's an important thing that we must remember here as we ponder the birth of our savior. The shepherds responded to the angel and to God's glory that was there the way human beings will react to our lord fear. But notice the kindness of this angel who is a messenger of God. The words of the angel are the words of the God because they are the messengers of God. And God is speaking here through these, this angel. These are the angel's words, but the angel is the messenger of God. And the angel says, fear not. In other words, don't be afraid. Is it, that right there, I think we cannot ignore in verse 10. When we are rightly fearful of the holiness of God's glory, the gospel tells us, don't be afraid of God's presence. Don't be afraid of his glory. That's from God himself through his angel. His angels are reminding us and encouraging us, don't be afraid of what is happening here. Because in sin, the only hope we have is fear. There is no hope. Fear replaces hope. And and, and the angel here is saying, fear not for behold, I bring you what? Good news of great joy that will be for All the people, don't be afraid because I'm bringing you something that is glorious. I'm bringing you a gospel good news that is great joy. Today is the day of great joy. The third Sunday of Advent, the shepherd's candle reminds us of this joy. And we have to remember that great joy is presented here as the cure to the fear. That's a good place for an amen, Baptists. The great joy that is granted here through the angel's presence, through God's glory to these fearful shepherds, these fearful, sinful men. The good news of great joy, that great joy is, the it it, it replaces the fear. It's the cure for the fear. The state of man, the state of humanity is this, that we are, We are afraid of God. We fear his holiness, yet we are encouraged here and reminded, don't be afraid. There's joy that's coming. Let me tell you something that is joyful. The good news I'm bringing you is of great joy. And then following there in verses 11 and 12, we see exactly what the message is. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. That's the message. That's the commissioning. That's what this angel is telling the shepherds. You go and find this she- this child that I'm telling you about. Because today is the day of great joy in the city of David, the Messiah, the Christ, the Lord, who is your savior, who you have been hearing about for generations and generations is here. That's the joy. Amen. That's the, as we read this text this Christmas season, let's ponder here exactly what is being said because we read this so often at Christmas time. We've heard it from childhood up. Even those who are not Christians, who are secular minded and have nothing to do with the gospel, they know this text somehow through movies, through television, through culture. You'll, they'll even be hearing some of this probably as they go through the shopping malls, or now we don't shop on in the malls, we shop online. Maybe there's a internet banner that pops up. This You can't hide from this part of the Christmas story. And this is the great joy. This is a commissioning from the angel to the shepherds to go and and see the good news of great joy that I am proclaiming to you. It's a proclamation of the birth. This birth is not just some child. This birth is significant. This birth is pure joy. It is for God. This pure joy is for the people as God's glory proclaims it. You see that? Let's continue here. In verse 13, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And then in verse 16 they go. Notice in verse 16, they just don't go casually over to Bethlehem. They go with haste. Have you ever been excited about something to the point that you can't wait? Now, notice the total difference here. These shepherds started off with an attitude of fear. I would be the same way. Here's this angel of the Lord standing in front of me, unannounced. Boom, he's there. I'm going to be terrified, aren't you? Yet the words of comfort and the words of joy and the words of commissioning, they are commissioned to go. That fear turns to joy. That fear turns to desire. That fear turns to excitement. You see that? They go to find this thing that they have been told about, this birth of a child. The angel tells them to see this thing which the Lord has made known to us. He tells them to go, and these shepherds, they want to go see it. Because notice here, it wasn't at this point after they go, it's not just an angel speaking. What happened? There was a a heavenly host showing up. The idea of the heavenly host is a heavenly army. The idea of the host is an army of angels showing up. You remember last week as we were talking about the Magi following the star? See, I can't imagine that that star was just a ball of gas a million miles away. There was something else going on there. I think we see evidence here of these angels. Can you just imagine what that looked like? (laughs) Remember, as we were talking about last week, the ancient mind about the heavens as they looked up at the beautiful heavenly night... If you ever see a pure, hev- a night sky without the pollution of our modern days, it is the most glorious thing that you could ever imagine. And the ancient minds saw what they up in the sky. They saw that as heavenly objects, heavenly beings waiting to introduce us to the heavenly realm. These angels came out of that, like us. Some of y'all picked on me after service, but I still think it's a great analogy. The Star Trek and Star Wars light, uh, going into light speed, I mean, it's special effects, but I, something akin to that is what I'm, I'm imagining happened even here. These angels show up and they sing gloriously. Well, they say gloriously. There's another theological hair splitting. Did they sing or did they say? We won't get into that today. But glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among men, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Glory to God. See, this this proclamation of Christ's birth resulted in the heavenly host showing up in this earthly realm in front of these shepherds, praising God. Can you imagine when was the last time the heavenly host had that opportunity? From the time of Adam and Eve's fall to this point, how many times did God grant the heavenly host, not just an angel here and there as a messenger, but the heavenly host arriving on earth to sing praises to God? It hadn't happened in dreams, Jacob's ladder, different kind of dreams and visions we see in the Old Testament. But here in a physical, real time, in a real place, here is the heavenly host singing praises to the Lord and telling these shepherds, go and find this child who is born. There is joy now. Fear has turned to joy. You see that? Let's look here at verses 17 and 19. As they go... In, in verse 17, as, as they go with haste in verse 16, they find Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. This is clearly in Bethlehem, the night of Christ's birth. We know the story, if you read all uh, the, the previous sections of chapter two. We know the story of Joseph and Mary coming to Naz- coming to Bethlehem from Nazareth, and they find themselves homeless. And they have to live in a stable with the animals probably a small cave of some kind. And these shepherds come in to where these animals were and they find Mary and Joseph and they find the child there. Verse 17, And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Notice that there's not a lot of detail here between verses 16 and 18. Notice here verses 16 and 18 imply quite a bit going on here. These, can you imagine what these shepherds witnessed? They witnessed a humble baby and a humble set of parents in this little place that stunk of animals. And they saw an eternal, glorious thing. And it changed them. It changed them. It changed their attitude of fear to an attitude of joy because what happens as as after they see this in verse 17? When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. I see here in verse 17 and 18, not only are they talking to Mary and anyone else who is nearby, what the angels had sent them to do. But they go out in verse 20, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. These were the first witnesses of Christ. These were the first witnesses that Christ is here. These lowly shepherds were given the privilege, the gift Of going and telling everyone that they could what the angel told them, what they witnessed, and how it changed them. You see that? That's what joy does. That's what joy does. It is something that, that you cannot avoid. It is something that brings you to the, to the, to the place that you can't, can't contain it. Joy is a desire. It is, excuse me. It is not just a state of happiness. Let's make sure we understand what's happening here. I mean, I, you can't avoid the fact these shepherds were clearly now happy. But happiness is not joy. And this is why we have to understand what's going on here. The longing for happiness is, is universal for all of us. There's not a single human being who doesn't desire happiness. When someone is miserable and they're snapping at you and they're acting aggressive, it's because they're not happy. They want happiness. How many of us have been guilty of that? Okay. But Happiness is different. The pursuit of happiness can at best be elusive. And it, 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 the pursuit of happiness can also let us down because if we don't obtain what makes us happy, we're let down. Or let's just say that you're fortunate enough to obtain what brings you happiness. After you experience that moment of happiness, what happens next? You gotta keep looking for more happiness. There's gonna be a lot of happiness on Christmas morning as children open their presents. But how long does that last? 60 seconds? At best? As they sit around the tree, you know the littlest ones who haven't learned yet, they'll be sitting around the tree surrounded by boxes and paper and they'll look up and say, is there anything more? We laugh, but that's true. We spend our energies desiring things that will fulfill our happiness. Yet once we obtain what we think will bring us happiness, it's not enough. Or let's just say we do have a moment of happiness. Now we're looking for something else. That's not what these shepherds were experiencing, was it? It was something that totally transformed them. I think the mark here, what we have to do is we have to look at these shepherds and their encounter with God's heavenly host of angels and God's glory and His presence there in this divine intervention within the human dilemma of sin as something that's so radically different. That transformed them. This was not something that these shepherds, what well, they may have had from their childhood this idea of the Messiah coming, but this is not how it probably look, looked in their imagination. And they encountered something that brought them fear and terror initially, but then transformed to joy. Instead of these shepherds becoming just happy, they received a greater gift of joy. Joy is the delight in someone. Joy is not happiness. Joy is not an experience of pleasure. Joy is delight. In something, someone, delight in the new soul in Christ. If Christ is in us, there is delight in Christ. If we are new creatures in Christ, new men and women in Christ, there is something in us that brings us joy. And that is the joy in Christ, who He is. These shepherds show us this as they come to the, to the, the to the manger here in verse 16 and 17 they encounter something that just doesn't bring them temporary pleasure they experience something that transforms who they are and when they leave they are expressing joy to anyone who will listen you ever been around a new cre- a new christian who um, is so naive they don't know enough not to tell anybody to the point that they're annoying That's exactly what God wants. That's a pure transformation. And that's joy being shared. I mean, taking delight in Christ is the expression of joy. So joy is not something that brings us, or is not supposed to just bring us pleasure. Joy is delight. I am, I am delighted. I am joyful in Christ. I am so I'm so enraptured with who Christ is, I cannot avoid telling people about Him. That's joy. See, we have to make sure that as Christians we understand this, that joy is not the same as happiness. Joy is a love for Christ. Joy is a delight in Christ. We have to understand here that happiness is is circumstantial. It's, It's hypothetical. If I do this then I will be happy. If I get this, then I will be happy. Joy is not hypothetical. Joy is not conditional. Joy is pure delight. Does anybody here have someone in their family uh, uh, that you just take delight in and that person does absolutely nothing wrong and they make your life complete? even as close as your spouse may be in that role, they'd still let you down, don't they? Does Christ ever let us down? No. The delight in Christ is the joy we're talking about here. There is a contrast here. When, when Christ comes, there is a fullness of joy that is made known in the presence of the Lord. There is a deep and lasting presence of God in us. The fruit of God is us being capable of persevering in the faith. That's the joy here. Regardless of worldly circumstances, Christ's joy will be completed in us, His church. We are to express joy. So this season of Christmas, as we're thinking about joy to the world, a beautiful hymn, that is not an expression of pleasure. It is an expression of delight in our Savior, Jesus Christ. I worship him because he is complete. The, 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 the gospel message is this. Christ has completed all that is necessary to redeem us from our sins. Can we not take delight in that? That's the point. We we take delight in the birth of a baby. But do we take delight in the birth of the perfect Son of God, the perfect Adam, the one who lived perfectly and sinless and loved us so much that he died for us? and makes a way for us to be in the presence of our Father in heaven. Y'all take joy in that? I hope so. So as we're remembering this season of joy, let's not mistake this joy for just mere happiness when we rip into the presence or those of us who are now older and have the responsibility for bringing the family in. I'm glad they're gone. Let's just be real here this morning. Amen? Some of y'all going, yeah, I get that. Yeah. Man, I'm glad that's over. We don't take, (laughs) that's not the joy we're talking about. We're talking about a delight in Christ Himself. I'm so excited that Christ is here. I'm so excited that he adopted me into God's kingdom. I'm so excited that I am new in Christ and Christ is in me. I am so joyful about this reality. I cannot keep it in. That's what we're talking about. And that's what the shepherds did. And everybody was going, what? Who are you? What did you just see? See, the normal, the secular world would look at these shepherds and think, okay, what have you been drinking or smoking out there in the fields? Let's just be real. But there's a joy in Christ that this time of year must be pure. I want to close with this one passage in 1 Peter chapter 1. Because to understand what this joy is, I think... Peter's letter to the diaspora of the, of the church that was under persecution helps us see exactly that even in the midst of persecution and turmoil, there is the joy in Christ that still is real. First Peter chapter one, verse three. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. There it is. Anybody here dealing with trials? Probably just of being alive. (laughs) So, verse 7, So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 8, if you're underlining it, here's where we're looking at. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. This joy of the Christian in the midst of suffering and persecution and turmoil and agony. In verse eight, it is a joy that cannot be expressed by words because this joy is filled with the glory of our Lord. Folks, if you believe in him and you rejoice with joy that cannot be expressed by words, are you filled with God's glory? So if you're wrestling this morning by hearing this text and you're asking yourself, okay, that sounds great, preacher. Uh, All that sounds like it's a fantasy, it's beyond our comprehension. It is the joy that is inexpressible, according to 1 Peter. It is the joy that human words cannot craft. It is the joy that Christ alone in us, who has redeemed us through His blood, imparts a glory in us. That brings a joy that we can't articulate. That's the joy of this season. So when we get all wrapped up with the pleasure of the season and the fun of the season, and when that fun and that pleasure ends and we find ourselves sitting there exhausted, is there joy that has, that is still present? Folks, let's, let's replace the, the pleasure and the fun of the season. And it is. I love Christmas. Of course, for me, Christmas doesn't really start until about the 15th. I can take about 10 days of joy. <laughs> Just joking there. But you know what I mean. You know, to me, if we start Christmas in September, it kind of filters out the, the importance of the season. So to me, I all—I mean, I can, I can go with Thanksgiving weekend. I'm okay with that. But for me personally, I'm not in the Christmas spirit until about, about, the, about the 10th or the 15th of the month. So here in the next week, I'll start getting some Christmas spirit. But man, there's a joy here, isn't there? As we ponder the life of Christ in us, let's let the joy of Christ be that light that shines out of us and replaces all this superficial stuff. And as Nathan comes, we're going to close, but the, the older I get, the more and more Honestly, I've never been a big commercial Christmas guy. I just don't like the commercialization of this time because this is a time, this is a celebration that belongs to Christ's church. And we have allowed a secular world that has no desire for Christ to take it from us. Let's celebrate this year as Christians should celebrate. Let's have a joy as Christians, as joy should be expressed. Let's... Take this as rightly our celebration. It is a gift of God to us. Let's not, and it, second thing, I'm on a soapbox. I'm sorry, Nathan. Let's get, let's not get so upset that the secular world doesn't say Merry Christmas. They don't believe it anyway. So why should we care? I would rather somebody who believes in Christ, who truly believes that Christmas is merry, that Christmas is ours, let them express merry Christmas. If somebody doesn't want Christ, they're not going to say merry Christmas truthfully. Now let's pray that they do eventually come to Christ, so that they do know the true joy of Christ. But Christians get so upset because the stores don't have merry Christmas on the store. Fine. It's, it We all agree that the commercialization of Christmas is anathema to the true Christmas. So let them do their thing. It's not Christmas anyway. Amen? Let's not get all wrapped up in that. Let's celebrate our Savior and His birth. Amen? Let's close in prayer. And Nathan, you can play. Father God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for this season of Advent that You've given us as a season of expectation and anticipation and joy, Lord, it is imperative that we be reminded through your word and through your presence that Christ is the center of all joy. I pray, God, that you would instill in all of us a true desire for your son and let that desire be the joy that everyone sees especially this Christmas season. Use us for your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.